Hey y'all, you are listening to episode 11 of the One Chit Wonder Board Gaming Podcast. Today, I am joined by Kane, and we are going to be talking about Too Many Bones and a short topic discussion about learning games. So actually today, we had a full game group. We had four people going, but they tapped out around five o'clock and me and Kane are burning the midnight oil now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll always close it down. Oh, and that's what I'm grateful for because <laughs> today was like probably the most selfish gaming day that I've ever had. Like we started off the day with kind of like a half game of my favorite game of all time, Forbidden Stars. And then eventually Johnny came over and we... Uh, me, Johnny, Kane, and my friend Enrique played Guards of Atlantis, which we will be reviewing soon, but Johnny wanted to be a part of that, so I'm going to wait on that for him. But those guys had to leave, you know, wives and responsibilities, some of that nonsense. But Kane, we don't care about our wives. We, <laughs> st- <laughs> we stayed and we actually played my second favorite game of all time, Too Many Bones. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to have a little short topic discussion. It's really late here, so I'm going to do my best not to keep you too long. But Too Many Bones is my second favorite game of all time. So I think you kind of already know where my thoughts are. But I'm really excited to hear what Kane's thoughts are. Because he tried to tell me and I said, bro, let's just make a podcast on this. Why why are you telling me right now? Save this. (laughs) So let's get into it. Uh, Too Many Bones is a one to four player cooperative. Uh, I would kind of call it a dungeon crawler, but in reality, it's kind of like a skirmish game. It's a hybrid. Hybrid? Yeah. Yeah. So the way the game is played is that you'll pick your characters, which are gear locks, and they are extremely different. Like, I'm talking play style, abilities, health, all their stats are so different. And you're going to choose what they call is a tyrant. And that's kind of like the boss that you're going to battle. Each tyrant has a certain number of days that you need to beat it in. And each day is represented by a single encounter, which is usually going to be some variant. So it's kind of hard to describe because the game has no fixed setup. Everything is basically modular. From the characters you're playing, the bosses you're fighting will actually have a certain... uh, The bad guys are called baddies. A certain baddie type. Whether it's a beast type or a dragon type or whatever. You will mix all those types of baddies into your bad guy pool. And as you play the game, you'll go through encounters. And each day will tell you to build a baddie queue which is a certain number of points based on the day that you're on multiplied by the number of players. So if we're on the third day's mission and me and Kane are playing, we will build a baddie queue of six points worth of bad guys. The way the game kind of mixes this up is that there's three tiers of bad guys. There's a 20 point bad guy, which is called like, you know, a big baddie. Like those guys are tough. And then there's five-point baddies, and then there's one-point baddies. So in a game where we are fighting a six-point baddie queue, you will take the largest 
denomination first, which is in this case five, and then you'll add a single baddie equating six. It's not that straightforward though, because every encounter will throw a fun twist in it. It'll give you kind of like a short little narrative story and then it'll tell you to make a choice and each choice could have a different outcome. Sometimes you'll make a choice and you'll use a guy as a decoy or bait and then he will actually help you, but you know, he'll probably die. Or if you decide to help him instead, the encounter might be harder, but the rewards might be a little bit better. So these are the kind of things that changes up the battle. And it's not even just the decisions that you make. Sometimes there's crazy things that come in like you can only move or you move one less space a turn or the bad guys have an extra this. Like it's there's so many different encounters that each battle is obviously very different. And because it's so modular and you're shuffling this huge stack of encounters, no adventure is ever the same. So you build this small deck of a certain number of encounter cards and you'll play and you'll fight through them. And then at the end of each encounter, you'll get a certain number of rewards, whether they be loot items or experience points. This is where the majority of the game is amazing for me. All the experience points that you get can be applied to so many different places. Each gear lock that you play, the character that you play, will have four different stats that you will level up. And a lot of these are pretty, like, simple, obvious stats, you know, health, dexterity, attack damage, and defense. But each gear lock has 16 different abilities, all represented in different ways by dice. Some are active dice that you'll use and then immediately exhaust. Some are counters that will keep track of certain things and give you buffs or consumable abilities. And some are actually like actual pets that you can control and move them around the map. Like the variety that the designers were able to create with just using dice and neoprene, pretty phenomenal, but we're gonna get into that later. So when you're in this battle, when you go into an encounter, the battle is takes place on a four by four a grid of circles and in the base game you're allowed orthogonal movement and the bad guys spawn at one end of the map as you buy expansions and different like uh, modules of the game they're actually differing spawn points undertow has spawn points for the bad guys in front and behind you you're actually sandwiched between them on a raft and they're kind of coming in from the water to attack you Totally different feel because you're now surrounded versus attacking them from one side. And then in the upcoming expansion, Unbreakable, there's actually going to be chips that are going to represent lava that will cause damage as you move in and out of those spaces. So this just not only adds to the modularity, but the way that combat takes place on a 4x4 grid, you're probably thinking that there's really not that much you're going to be able to do. But there's just so many choices of where you're going to move, who's going to take damage, which target you should attack. And a lot of these are factors that go into every single decision, whether you're moving, attacking, or even leveling up dice. Because as you play more, you'll begin to get a feel for what certain bad guy types will do to you and what you need to prepare for. I know that's a long-winded introduction to this game, 
And honestly, I don't think I did it very much justice <laughs> because this game is massive. And to try to describe it in a, any sort of concise manner to me is impossible. But, you know, you guys, like we already said, this is my second favorite game of all time. So I'm going to let Kane take a little bit of the lead here and tell you some of his thoughts. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about that as he concludes. Yeah, so as you can tell, <clears throat> Dudley loves this game. Uh, Accurate. <laughs> I don't think he took a breath in that whole explanation. Like, he is just jazzed about this. So, and I knew that. So when, you know, Johnny and Enrique left, he was like, what game you want to play? He plays every game that we want to play 90% of the time. I'm like, okay. Let's play your second favorite game. I cannot reiterate enough how they played all of my top favorite games today. Number one, number two, and spoiler alert, <laughs> number five. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be on the Guards of Atlantis podcast, so I can just let them know I loved it. I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. But I'll let well, you okay, well, we don't have to no, do no. a review anymore. You already <laughs> told them it was great. What do we even do? That's just my opinion. I'm going to edit that out. Uh, no it. way. Johnny almost <laughs> flipped the table. He hated that game. So I'll let you two butt heads on that. Okay. Too many bones, though. Um, I knew a little bit about it. I saw a couple gameplays. Heard Dudley talk about it a couple times. Um, and which, should I just start? Just go for okay. it, Okay. Let me start with the negative. Um, That's an odd take, but... <laughs> it's your it's your show man do whatever you yeah, want yeah right so the game has very little theme um and what i mean by that is they're deadly explained it's a four by four grid so it's just like you're you're building up these characters and you're out on the 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 battle space and the bad guys are out there but it's almost like it looks like a tic-tac-toe board and the guys, you know, they're just chips. They're round circles. Uh, it's kind of lackluster. Um, not to mention these chips, the print is so tiny. I mean, you've got to really pick it up every time and look at it. And there's about 47 different little icons on this. <laughs> this one bad guy I'm looking at right now. Um, so it's very fiddly, in my opinion, as well, because you always have to reference, I mean, unless you've played this game a hundred times and you just know by heart, but even you had to reference, okay, what's this thing do again? For sure. And everybody gets their own player board. And I'm not joking, this, is, this looks like a Cheesecake Factory menu. <laughs> it, it is huge. It's bigger than the, the battle board, and it's double-sided. The text is so small. And it, there's just so much going on um, that I hate more than anything in board games. I hate having to reference something uh, a ton of times, and I did that. But it wasn't all bad because Dudley has played this. He was like my, my tour guide. I felt like I was on a African safari, and he's just hacking the jungle in front of me. So I just let him do that. He'd be like, yeah, okay, this guy does two poison damage while this guy buffers. And I'm just like, okay, you got it, whatever. Let me just attack. Let me roll these dice, which was great. Um, so yeah, let me get to the good part. <laughs> the redeeming factor of this game was we played an epic game. 
I would say. It was epic. And it was like the easiest intro, shortest one available too. It came down to the wire. And that's always a great uh, heart-wrenching, heart-pumping, blood-pumping moment. We had like three high-five moments in that game. Yeah, we did. Um, And then that honestly saved it from being a complete disaster. But will every game go like that? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I think we lucked out there. Uh, my character was a berserker, just all attack. I had zero uh, stats to my defense. Well, you chose to put That's zero right. stats to your defense. Because I'm a glass cannon, baby. <laughs> um, but it worked out. Uh, Dudley was a paladin, so he was the healer. And um, yeah, it, it, the combo worked. The tech tree, I do like tech trees. It has this. Very confusing, but... You kind of get it down after a little bit. It's it it wants. I feel like it wants to be Gloomhaven, with the bad guys initiative, um, and maybe people might think it's streamlined. But I feel like the setup's not much easier. It is a little bit. I'll give them that. Battle is a little easier, but if you want to be a dungeon crawler, like for me. I love the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Thematic integration. Yeah, exactly. Boom, got it. Thank you. (laughs) So I would give this game a six. Okay. Are you done breaking my heart? (laughs) Oh, come on. We had fun. I had fun. You you (laughs) had 60% of the fun I had, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so... It's my second favorite game of all time. And I'll be the first one to admit that Kane is absolutely spot on on all of the negatives. Alright, so the first thing is... You have to understand that Chip Theory Games has no shame in the amount of insanity that they're willing to put into a single thing like your character to make it unique. You know? Like... It's just something that you have to accept, and it comes at a cost. The cost is just an insane amount of rules overhead. You know, every character you play is so different that you spent a good 20 minutes just reading about it before you even got taught the game. Mm -hmm. That's a ton of time to spend on a game that you're just like thinking you're just going to play once or twice a year. It's, It's a lot. CTG, complete completely unabashed about this and i love it i love these kind of games because every time you play the depth that you are able to discover in every single character is like just huge like i've played my character patches who is kind of like a paladin type guy he's a tanky guy he's got a lot of health he's got a lot of buffs and he's got a lot of healing abilities His offensive abilities, not great, just like you would expect from a paladin, but he can hold his own. But having played him, let's say four times now, five times, in our game, you were a berserker. Mm -hmm. I went all out heals. I I think I added one attack dice just to see if I needed to help. Never attacked anything. (laughs) I just threw buffs at Kane. I gave him health buffs, damage buffs. He was a one gear lock 
wrecking machine. Totally different from my last play I played with Johnny. I played the same character. He played Pickett, which is kind of like a tanky knight guy with a shield, you know? He did a little damage, had a lot of crowd control, but he was tanky. I didn't need to heal him as much. So we both went kind of like a hybrid DPS class where we both were tanky, we both dealt damage, and we went kind of like working together to control all the mobs. And then I played another game with someone who played Boomer, who was a long-range artillery expert. They stayed at range. I don't really need to heal her, heal Boomer that much because they're never in the fray of combat. So I went a full tanky self-healing build. I got the buffs. I healed myself for three every turn. I loaded up on defense dice. And I was just like this wall of healing, unkillable, just mass. And this is from the same character. I've played this game like 10 times and I've only explored two characters. And yet it always has me coming back because I'm looking for fun combos and builds to combat the situation that we're in. You're not wrong. There's a ton of rules overhead. There's a ton of stuff you have to digest. Mm -hmm. But the benefit of that is just so many different builds. And I will admit, I am a sucker, absolute sucker for games that give me the choice of who I want to be and how I want to be. In games like Gloomhaven, Descent, even Stars of Icarios, there is a lot of customization, but it's so narrow. It's a different weapon, a different ability upgrade, different, you know, like passive ability that you'll earn over time. Okay. I played three completely different styles with one character. Were they optimal? Maybe not, because I don't win very much at this game. But it was so fun, because I envisioned myself being this little gearlock warrior guy, and my friend is way stronger than me, just chopping people up. All right, I'm going to help him. I'm going to keep him alive so he can keep doing his thing. But if my friend is weak and I have to be tankier to protect him, I can do that too. I love that versatility. No, and it's nice. It is. And you're not wrong about the information. You're not wrong about the fiddliness because you're constantly moving chips around, taking chips off the board. Every enemy, every attack you do rolls a certain amount of dice. You have to love rolling dice to love this game. So you're constantly doing something. But it's part of the experience for me because every high and low that we experienced in this game were the result of the dice. There was a couple moments where you had your jump ability and the way the game is structured, you have to roll your jump after your movement. So if Kane missed this jump, he would have been not in the position he needed to attack and that would have changed the plans. These are the kind of situations that the game constantly creates. There is a ton of randomness. But it's not randomness that you can't anticipate and try to mitigate. But the randomness is what creates these moments of like, okay, we need six damage. You've got four dice. You've got to hit it. And you hit it and it feels great. And you miss it. It feels even worse. But because of just honestly the wildness of the dice, it just creates these moments that absolutely cannot be matched by something as methodical as Gloomhaven's card play, which is fully deterministic, which is fine for a lot of people that want that really heavy strategy type game. 
This one is purely tactical skirmish. Oh. It's about managing who the enemy is attacking, who you're attacking, building your character up to tackle the situation at hand. And really, it kind of just builds into a efficiency puzzle that you can't ever be fully efficient at because dice are impossible to control. Mm -hmm. You're right about the thematics. The board is a 4x4 grid. I honestly didn't even really move that much during the game. I just stood there and just kept healing Kane. And it was great. I didn't care because I like seeing him just wreck every single monster that came in front of us. Is it thematic in the sense that I can't like I see your little mini moving around chopping down guys in a dungeon? No. But I can see myself shooting my like buffs at you. Like the character that I play uses buffs in the form of injections. So I keep telling Kane, I'm going to give him these roids and he gets stronger and he's going around chopping these dudes up. Yeah. So it looks like this. There's poker chips stacked up with the dice on top. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's not the, it's, it, the, the it look hurts. of the game is not as beautiful as any game with minis. I'll be the first to tell you that. But at the same time, that's a very clear conscious decision. Think about all the stats that you're looking at on that chip. You're not going to be able to interpret that from a mini. You know what would happen if you had a mini? You would have a ton of cards representing every bad guy. Yeah. Is it the best looking? No. But as far as function goes for the design of the game and the amount of different bad guys that the game will throw at you, this is honestly probably the most optimal way to do it. The really the only other way I could see this game even possibly existing is if the enemies were represented by cards. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to get enough information on there without having reference sheets. For or days. they could have not given them so many icons. Very true. So but many little stats and abilities. Very true. But see, that's where it's a plus and minus for the game. Yeah, There's I mean, I, I feel like it is a love-hate. Oh, yeah. People either love this or yep. they hate it. it. That is absolutely true. Because if you're, if you're not someone that's willing to kind of like invest the time into learning the character, if you're looking for like a quick play session that you can run through the dungeon and like kind of chop stuff up and just go through the story or the mission and feel accomplished, this one doesn't do that as well. You know, I'll be the first to say it's like, the narrative elements in this game are honestly pretty lackluster. It's very lighthearted. Each day scenario has like a little blurb about what you're doing as you're traveling from your home base to try to find the tyrant. And it'll give you a series of choices that honestly don't really matter. I meant to ask you about that. Yeah. Because like if you've played Gloomhaven, there's road events mm -hmm. and stuff. When you read it, though, the outcome is on the backside. Correct. On this one because you were reading, wasn't the outcome right underneath the choice? Uh, yes, so absolutely. So how do you read that without seeing the outcome? You don't. You get, you know, you're allowed to know the outcome as you make the choice. Which is dumb. <laughs> yeah, but I also like, let you make the choice of what to do. Right. Well, but in a, in a co-op, it should be made together. I agree. And so if you're playing this role-playing game a little bit, Mm -hmm. And you have two choices. Hey, do you, like one of ours was, do you want to use this old man as a decoy? Yeah. Or do you want to help him? You know, you knew one of them was literally 
the best option possible. And the one other, I we had this moment because I let you pick, and you're like, which one should I pick? I was like, I can't tell you. I know what the I know what the right answer is. And you're like, there's a right answer. I was like, absolutely, there's a right answer. The other one's the absolute wrong answer. We lost the game on the second day because it's like, oh, well, I don't want to throw this old man to the wolves, so I'm going to believe him. And it's like, okay, pack up, go home. You've just lost the game. You quit your adventure. It literally said, go home, game over. Which we retconned, of course, because yeah. I wanted Kane to. I wanted to give Kane the illusion of choice. Really, he had no choice at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, the game is it. It doesn't try to take itself too seriously. No. Like when you look at the art of these guys, like it's not Gloomhaven at all. It's not something that no, you're it's expected fine. to be serious about. It's it's cute, and I'm I don't mind that. And they're cool looking little. What are these gnomes? I, they kind of look like gnome elf hybrids yeah. to me. But the whole, if you have a decision where this thing is going to give you items if you go down this path, but if you go down this path, you're actually going to get an upgrade, then why even have it thematic? Like, that should be on the back, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That was just bad design. The, honestly, I think the truth about this game is that the RPG elements are not intended to be a significant part of the game. Yeah. I think the game is centered entirely around the skirmish puzzle. You know? It's or not... this building that, up your oh, character. Building up the character is also the right. most fun part for me. Yeah. But the game is a skirmish puzzle. You mm -hmm. are given once... I mean, the dice are always going to be random. But once you build the map, you know what's coming. You know what's there. And it's your job to figure out the most efficient way and safe way to try to beat that, beat, solve that puzzle. And that's the meat of the game. Yeah. And I honestly think the designers, who, by the way, this is their first game, this whole company, this is the first game they ever made. Actually, you know what? I take that back because they might have had some smaller games before, but this was their first big hit. Why do you say there? You're on their payroll. You're a part of Chip <laughs> Everything they put out, you're I just wish. Oh, man. are on your knees about it. I, I love, I love <laughs> their ethos for game design Yeah, because in my mind, I always want to be the guy that just dives so deep into a single game. And I want that game to have all this depth. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of a lot of the reasons why I love this game and a lot of their designs so much is because they all are so deep. They are completely unabashed about loading each character with way too many abilities, way too many skills, way too much asymmetry. But it gives me the illusion that this is a game that I could play forever. Which I realize is also very stupid because we play so many new games that it's impossible for me to ever explore the amount of content that I have. I have literally everything for Too Many Bones. Mm -hmm. Literally. Promos, books, everything. All the deluxe components, which already are super deluxe, I have it. You know, if I had to estimate what percentage of the game I've explored, it's like 5, maybe 4%. Of played, this game? Of this game. I've played it Crap. about 10 times. I've played two of the gear locks. I've fought... Two of the tyrants, and it's still super fresh, you know? Mm. Like, even coming back to this game today with you, I had the best time. 
mostly because I was playing a game that I really enjoyed. The skirmish puzzle was, you know, it was also it was very thinky. We had a good table talk, but I was so excited to try out my build on my guy and see if the combination of your abilities and my ability would work together was well, so satisfying to me. Yeah, you're welcome for that. We synergized great. And we that did. was all a part of me. Because <laughs> you picked the No, guy. listen. If you ever play this game, there on the back, there's a, hey, we suggest you build these stats with that character. And so Dudley was helping me in the beginning. And he's like, yeah, you should go with that. You know, oh, you have zero defense to start with? Well, you should probably. And I'm like, no, we're going full attack on this. And I could tell in his in his soul, he was like, you dumb. I was ready for him to die. <laughs> yeah. But a nice host. He's like, yeah, sure. Do it, man. Whatever you want to do. And it worked out. It did. Beautifully. Yeah, because I babysat you the Whatever. Whole time. It was like. You I were... was one-shotting everybody. Yeah. How do you think you got there? Uh. See, this is the problem with <laughs> RPGs. I played WoW for so long. All the DPS classes, all they want to do is talk trash because all their healers were just standing around with their thumbs in their butts while the DPS were doing all the killing. Yeah. Who kept you alive the whole time that let you get to mm-hmm. Super Saiyan? No, we were great. It we was a great. good team. It was a good, just like our podcast. We're a great team. But <laughs> you hear that, Johnny? Yeah. Thanks for not staying to play too many bones, Johnny. Thanks for going home and taking care of your wife and child. Yeah. Dork. <laughs> but the... Do your listeners know that you lied to them all the time? How do I lie to them? Well, in the opening, you uh, explaining this game, you told them during the skirmish, there's so many options and uh, there's so many things to do and it's it's great strategy. Mm-hmm. But that's a lie. Why? Because guys spawn on the map mm-hmm. on one of the eight of 16 spots. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I didn't even have to move. Like they would just spawn right next to me. And all I do is swing. And if I did have to move, it's like there's one or two guys. Okay. Of course, I'm always going for the one with the most health. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really a lot of decision making. It was very straightforward in my opinion. Mm. I would agree with that for today's play. Mm. Because we played a very tried and true combo of DPS tank healer combo. You know, it wasn't as important for you to, for us to rotate who takes damage because I could heal you and I could heal myself. I went full healing Mm. and you went full damage. And for once it worked. For once. No. So you remember we had the guy that came out with dodge and that guy was unable to be killed with your attack powers. You had to get enough rage to be able to execute it with your rage dice. So we lucked out and we played, a, we played a tyrant whose bad guys don't have that ability very common in them. If we played a different bad guy that spawned out, I want to say it was either, not the beast, there's another faction. They have so much dodge that you actually cannot physically kill them. You have to use your abilities. And at that point in the game, we didn't run into that problem. Okay. So it lets you spec high damage mm. and you could just murder stuff. But I'm telling you, there were times where due to just unfortunate randomness, two of those guys came out early and we're literally just standing there like, we're just running around until the uh, fatigue round comes out and let that kill them. And it was just way different. 
I'm telling you, every game, for some magical reason, feels completely different. Like yeah. I said, I played the same guy in three different builds now, and this was by far the most successful. And it's a combination of our characters, the guys that we're fighting, mm-hmm. and honestly, we just got really lucky. We went with builds that were very effective against the tyrant that we fought. Oh, some and skill and strategy in there. Yeah, I mean, like, there is a little bit with positioning and movement. Well, and how you want to build your character, too. That's where the majority of the game is, building your character. Sure. You know, when when we, me, you, and Johnny played and reviewed Wonderland's War, we talked about how a lot of the decision-making was made in the Tea Party phase. Mm -hmm. And when you get down to the actual War phase, you're kind of just pulling chips out of the bag to try to see, like, okay, this worked. You know, it's like almost like a simulation just to see how your build worked. Right. This kind of gives me those same vibes. But dice chucking will always trump bag, bag build. Oh, builder. for sure. Dice yeah. chucking is so fun. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing. You have this idea. You have a build. Our builds were kind of like two pieces of an engine that we put together. And right. And we turned it on and see if it worked. And it worked. Mm-hmm. And that felt good to me. Mm-hmm. But I can see why for someone like you who is like very heavy into the strategy portion of the battle and the combat is definitely less appealing because the more and more we talk about it, it does kind of feel like the battle part is really just secondary to your character building part. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'd agree. I secretly really love character building. Those are some things that I really enjoy in a lot of my games. Mm -hmm. You know... Oh, what? I was just going to say, if you've played role player before, it's almost like building that character and then finally taking them to battle. literally just about to bring up role player because that's Amber's favorite game. Okay. So I was like thinking about, you know, this is just like role player. You make all these stats and you play your guy and then you just send him off and he has to try to do these things. Yeah. You know, it kind of is like that. But obviously the abilities here are much more interactive than like kind of role player is from my understanding of it. It's just dice and stats, Mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes like you, you think about maybe the battle portion isn't as tactically strategic as you would like, but a lot of what the tactics here was the results of your build. If you weren't a murder machine, (laughs) if I wasn't constantly spamming you with heals and buffs, you might not be able to stand there and one-shot everything. We might have to be moving around trying to take care of damage. We might have more important, like, targeting priority if you weren't dealing nine damage a turn. Like, you went super saint. Like, you were nuclear. (laughs) Yeah. I've never seen that from any character. I can see that. But then I could also see that being a little more boring. Having to, okay, stand back, range attack, one, two damage, uh, dodge heal uh okay buff this ability one round okay range attack again like that seems a little less fun possibly i mean it just it depends on what you're looking for but to each their own right who's gonna like this game i think that the people who really enjoy min maxing Mm -hmm. um if you're if you guys aren't familiar with that term it's kind of like a gamer term uh I first heard about it when I was playing WoW, where you basically just have like a statistically 
superior version with of your character with a certain number of items, you know? It's and it's even something like I always tell people about this all the time. When I played like the original WoW and Burning Crusade before it got so crazy, the game had so many st- Oh, dude, Kane. Hmm. You are Kane just gave me the most incredible analogy for why I love too many bones. So, when I played WoW, we were playing in Classic and Burning Crusade. And that was before WoW got, honestly, too simplified. So when I was playing, I was the tank for my guild. And they had so many different stats that you had to track. Like your own character's strength, your own character's dexterity, your vitality, and spirit. Something I don't even remember anymore. It's been so long. But there is also a di- secondary stats that would help your job. And I'm talking things as simple as block value, uh, fire resist, dodge percentage. Just these tiny little things. And I remember when my guild went to go tank Illidan, the mathematically most safe way for me to get an extra, like to cap out on fire resist, which reduces my chance of getting critically hit by like, five percent was to find this one little glyph in this one little low level dungeon that had like a one percent drop rate and you know what i did i quit or i didn't quit but i skipped all my classes for that week and i grinded this dungeon for hours i'm talking i killed this stupid thing this whatever this monster was like a hundred something times and it finally dropped and you know what that item gave me Plus five fire resist to my shield. Five fire resist just to be able to maximize my probability of surviving against Illidan. That's it. I spent a week of my life doing this stupid thing. And that is exactly why this game speaks to me so bad. Because every encounter that this game throws at me, my mind is not thinking about how I'm going to dodge this, how I'm going to tank that, how I'm going to move around here. My mind is thinking about, okay, my partner is just super damagey. I don't need to be damaged. I'm going to take everything that I can to make you stronger. Mm-hmm. And that was worked out well for me because I had a great time watching you destroy stuff. But I also see now that it kind of negatively impacted your uh experience because you didn't have to be so tactical you had no fear of death no fear of death means you don't have to do anything you can just face tank everything but i took great joy in looking at the character that i was presented and trying to find a way to make him or her whatever character you're playing the best possible best way to be equipped to handle the scenario at hand And those are the people that would love not only Too Many Bones, but pretty much all chip theory games. If you like the freedom of choice with how you want to attack a problem, if you like just an insane amount of variety and depth and different build abilities, this is the game for you. But if you don't have the ability to really dig deep into just one maybe two characters and if you don't have the ability to deal with a ton of randomness and uh, i won't say lackluster combat because there were a lot of tense moments that me and you were both just like 
waiting for these die rolls to play out to see if we won or lost. But you got to be okay with dice. If you love throwing dice and you love these character creations, like this is the game. Like this is just absolutely hits all my buttons. And I can totally see why some people are just love it or hate it Mm -hmm. because you just look at it and you're just like, I'm moving chips around a grid. Like this isn't thematic. Mm -hmm. All I'm, all I'm really doing is just standing here rolling my attack dice. I had no choices. Of course that's not going to be fun, but that's also a part of just the way our team worked out this game. And I would say that even though you didn't really love it, I bet you, if you played a different class, you would be like, None of what I did last time worked. What should I do? I'm like, I don't know. You got to figure it out. I haven't even played this guy. I haven't even played the guy you played today. Yeah. So that would not happen because I'm the best <laughs> at building my tech trees. I mean, you did a great job today. You, you were a natural. You played into your strengths. I played into my strengths. Yeah. But I'm telling you, you're, you, you say this now, but one day you're going to play a different class or I'm not going to play a healer. And suddenly you're like, okay, I need you to move here to take this hit or I'm going to die. And I was like, okay, but we got to pick off this guy. There's a huge amount of tactical space there. Maybe not as much as yeah. Gloomhaven, but there is a lot more that needs to be said when you're not just a one-man army. Not close to Gloomhaven. No, the not close. Gloomhaven is way Dual more card tactical. system. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I think if, like what Dudley's saying, if you love to mid-max. Yep. If you love tech trees and just building your character and the there's such a range of paths your one character can go. Just like Dudley was saying. He played that character several times. One he was a super tanky guy, one time he's a healer, the other time he's just hybrid DPS tank. Yeah. You just have those options. I love options. But if you haven't played before and you have a friend who's wanting to play with you, that might be the best opportunity. Um, having somebody who knows the ropes and can teach you all the little icons, iconography, kind of give you a rundown. Um, because I can tell you for me, if you know me and my wife or me or somebody else sat down, tried to learn it on our own, uh, it would probably take two hours. This is literally one of the worst rule books I have ever put my hands on. By far. Literally. I love CTG. I love their games. But their rule books, absolute garbage. If you had tried to learn this game on your own today, I guarantee you it would have ended in frustration. Without a doubt in my mind. Yeah. My first play, very frustrated. I watched so many videos. Mm-hmm. I read the rule book. It literally took probably close to four plays before I even understand what the heck everything was doing. It's the rule book is terrible. Like, I mean, Kane gave it a what a six, five? I can't remember. This is still a 10 for me, regardless of all the negatives that Kane keeps bringing up. (laughs) But it's like, it's not without its faults. Everything he says is so accurate and so spot on. But I will be the first to say that this game feels like it is designed for a very particular type of person, and that person is a hundred percent me. And if I was at all different, I guarantee you this game would not land. But because I have these, this neuroses about being absolutely like super efficient with my build and the customization, they knew exactly what buttons to press. Mm-hmm. So a 10 for me is definitely not going to be a 10 for everyone. 
I don't think that I've played a game that has been so divisive because they feel the game feels so honed in on a very particular personality type that I can't imagine there's that many people out there like me because if there are, everyone stay home because it's probably real weird out there. <laughs> yeah, variety is nice. There's like 10 characters to choose from. And I love all the abilities. I think they could have cut it back a little bit. No, right? I actually want more abilities. No, let's no, go to twenty is, abilities. This is just nuts. Yeah, let's go with like a like a fifteen by twenty neoprene sheet for the characters and have fifty dice to choose from. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, I, I will say, Kane, if you will grant me one more play, not anytime soon. I you know you're gonna need time to recover, but. We'll, we'll try a different combination, and I think it's going to feel a lot different. Will it make a game? Will it make the game go from a 6 to a 10? No. But I think you'll come to appreciate that there's a surprising amount of uh, nuance to the battle mat that you didn't experience today. Yeah. And okay. it won't make the, like I said, it won't, make, it won't change how you feel. Right. About it the might game. change it to a 6.2. <laughs> but I, hey, that's my rule. I'll always play every game at least twice. <laughs> You got me with that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. it. It's hard for me to talk about this game. It's so grand in scope that no no review that is at all reasonable amount of time is going to be able to cover it. But I think yeah. really we just cannot emphasize enough that if you love building characters in games, if you spend more time at character creation than you really should in most video games, this is the one for you. If you love rolling dice, if you love trying to figure out like efficiency puzzles, this is for you. But if you're looking for a thematic dungeon crawler, and the more we talk about it, I actually don't even think this is a dungeon crawler anymore. I think it's just a skirmish game. And as you like, play through the different like scenarios like none of it really feels like a dungeon crawl to me the more i talk about it you know it almost feels like the road in gloomhaven if every road event had a small battle in it you know you go from spot to spot have a little small battle just move on the game is honestly pretty abstract but i still love it it's very abstract <laughs> so uh final thoughts 10 for me Six, maybe a 6.2 for Kane. Yeah, we'll give another play. Yeah, so now I want to talk about our side topic today, which is actually kind of on brand with playing Too Many Bones, and we want to talk about learning games. So today, we started our morning at around 9 o'clock, 9.30, and we were trying to find something to play before Johnny got here. And of course, we picked the greatest filler game of all time, Forbidden Stars. <laughs> yeah, Enrique's here at this point. So we got a three-player game of Forbidden Stars going mm-hmm. on. Yep, and we knew that there was no way. I mean, like, my friends blessed me with the opportunity to play my number one and number two favorite games of all time today. And Forbidden Stars, if you guys have never played it, it's not a short game. But what did we do? We went through the rules. We cut down the uh, victory condition from four objective markers to two. And we went through, you know, we played, what, four rounds? And we just played it, and then we finished in about two hours, and we put it away. We call this game a learning game 
because we want to build on our experience today to actually play, you know, a couple of weeks down the line. How do you feel about learning games? I think they're fine, uh, especially big ones, grandiose ones like Forbidden Stars, where if we were to play that truly, one, it would have took four hours. Oh, dude, if, we, if it was a fresh teach, like from the last time we played to now. Right. It would have been six hours easily. Yeah, so Johnny would have been, been in the corner just waiting. For Johnny would have already had to go home by the time we finished that game. But also, games like that where you win or lose in the setup. Yep. To have done a terrible setup, which is what I did. Because <laughs> yeah. I spread out my guys and, you know, figured out in the second round, I'm a, I'm a tanky guy who needs to stay together and just mow through people. But yeah, if you did that when you're playing for real in your four-hour game... Oh, you would have lost in the first... It would, your experience would have been game. miserable. Yep. It would have been the worst time ever. Um, so I'm fine with that in those type of games because I played it once before. Mm-hmm. Not, well, we played it twice in the same day, but that was like a year, so year and a half, ago. two years ago. Yeah. Right? So I knew the, the very, very base concept of the game. Um. Not enough to jump right in today, though, without Definitely. it being that four-hour game. So the learner game, we modified the rules a bit, sped it up, and nobody was really taking a long time on their turn because it was just like, hey, let's just kind of play, get get the feel of it. Yeah. Because we did want to play it again in a week, two weeks, something like that. I was fine with that, you know? I think your, I think your description for this game is perfect. Because the game could be won or lost at setup. And that's not a fault to the game because they do have a kind of like a fixed map that you can build. But at the same time, a fixed map kind of takes away some of the strategy. Forbidden Stars is designed for you to draft and place tiles as you you build the map out. It's Mm -hmm. part of the strategy. But for us to be able to do that would have required a a very solid understanding of the game by itself. Mm-hmm. And honestly, no no depth of rules teach could possibly provide you with enough gameplay experience or knowledge to be able to accurately place these. So I think that this kind of game in particular is very well suited for a learning game. And honestly, it kind of wouldn't even really hurt if even the next time we played, we just dealt out some map tiles played a turn or a round and everyone's like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, I put this here and I can do this here. And then start, and then just the start over and then play for real. Yeah. And obviously as we gain more experience, we can avoid the learning games. But just like you said, if you played this game for the first time ever and you had no idea what you were doing and you were playing against someone who did and you just got crushed, it might actually ruin the experience for you. Mm-hmm. And if that game ends up being a four, five, six hour game, you're never going to want to play it again. And that's just detrimental to your board game group or the hobby or your friends because this is my number one game of all time. If you had a terrible experience and you no longer wanted to play with me, that's one less person that is even willing to play this game. That is already hard to get to the table. Yeah. So for me, I think learning games are great. And I think that maybe there's a way for us to kind of get into like a little routine of okay well we came we played this game it was great 
we have a couple top hour, hour and a half to kill. We could play a full game or we could kind of maybe build for the next game day, which would require a tremendous amount of planning. But at the same time, it would also make that next gaming game day so smooth. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's probably some people listening just being like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> when I say when I said that out loud, I was like. <laughs> Is anyone really going to do this? Are they going to pass up game time? Actual game time. To play a learning game? Yeah, people are probably thinking, you know, there are plenty hour to two hour games that don't take huge learning curve that Mm -hmm. you could play and have fun with. And you're right. But then you'd never get to those big grandiose games like, you know, Eclipse or TI4 Mm -hmm. or Forbidden Stars. Because when you finally do bust it out... Too many bones. Too many bones. There's You got hours of rules and learning it. And then, like I said, if if the win and loss comes in the first turns of the game or the setup or the draft, your whole plan is shot, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't mind these. Because I still had fun. Because with Forbidden Stars... There's many games within the game. Like when you battle, that's a whole different monster. And even though we all knew we weren't playing for winner, like we would still try to win those battles. Mm-hmm. And and they were fun. So it wasn't a complete waste. And now we're fresh and ready to go. Yeah. Now the only thing is making sure it gets we played. have to play it. Right? That's the that's the biggest <laughs> yeah. downside to me. Like if you said, like, let's say tonight. We finish too many bones, and you're like, "Hey, I'd like to play Zaya soon." You've played Zaya a couple times. I've played yeah. it a couple times, but mm-hmm. man, every time we bust it out, we're just like, "Oof, let's let's look at this all over <laughs> yeah. again." But if you know, you got a group of guys, and you're like, "Yeah, I'd be down to play that," and you know, the next time we get together, we schedule some time on the calendar, run through it real quick. You know, end of the night stuff, very chill, not something you're going to think too hard about or try to min-max and win. But you're just like, okay, go through the motions. Oh, yeah, set up. This is how I build my ship, blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm good. The next time you play, everyone's on even ground. And Uh you can just get right at it. It's like you're, like, preloading some of the instructions into your brain so that the next time you come, you're good. Yep. For me, this is great because I'm not a huge fan of filler games in general. I uh-huh. don't mind long games. You know, our podcast has talked so much about accessibility and easy setups and low rules overhead. But there's just a certain experience that a filler or a short game will never get you. And sometimes I feel like to be able to alleviate some of that burden of bringing on a big game or playing a big game can be tackled ahead of time, kind of like warming up for a game, but weeks before, which is also sounding really stupid as I say it. Well, no, it's like that cliche, right? When you go out on a date with a girl. Don't. <laughs> this is a family podcast. Something about Mary. That's all I'm going to say. Oh ben Stiller. Goodness. All right. Anyways, <laughs> the other example we had today. God, am I going to have to edit that out? <laughs> Hey, if they're that young, they've never seen that movie, I guarantee. Man, you're going to get us kicked off Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Right. Oh my Just God. edit this out. All right, everyone. Enjoy the time that you spent with Kane. This is pretty much it for him. 
Well, some people need metaphors so they can picture what you're talking about. Bro, so. you just you just showed our age. <laughs> like a lot of the kids these days playing games are like, there's something about who? Yeah. Right. Who's married? Don't watch that unless you're 18. Oh, God. But anyways, the other example we had today was Guards of Atlantis. Okay. Like Guards of Atlantis was a fresh teach. And this is the kind of game that there's the rules really wasn't that bad. And playing it was honestly not that hard either. But the amount of depth of how you interact with your opponents and your teammates, Mm -hmm. there's so much going on that we played just a short, quick round. Mm -hmm. And then we reset and actually tried to win. And I thought that was a really great idea. Because relative to how much or how little of a rules overhead there is, you might be able to squeeze in just a quick 15-20 minute round and then reset and then go straight into the real game. So that way, everyone not only hears the rules, can go through the motions, and then just go right into a real game. And you can actually start you know, strategizing and thinking and trying to figure a way out to win. Absolutely. I that, thought that was the perfect implementation of a learning game today. That was, yeah, we, that was so beneficial, especially for me, somebody who is a visual guy. Um, you could read the rules to me all day, mm-hmm. but I'm zoned out. Or I just got to see it. I've got to put it in action. And a game like that, which you can do a turn in 15, 20 minutes. Shoot, we could. if There was no downtime. That was awesome. And then, okay, now everybody knows how the cards play, how your turn works. Now we're really going to start. And that made the experience so much better. Yeah, I totally agree. Like Some games like that are just apt for an ability to do a learning game. Because I think if we didn't, and we tried to play a full game right from the get-go, you might just be in a position where you're so far behind, there's no winning. And I know that when I am in a game, and I'm referencing a... Oh, man, you were there for this game. When we played TI4 at Aaron's house. Oh, my gosh. And he moved uh, he moved his war son into my base. We both... He annihilated me. I came back, annihilated him. And then we both were out of a 18-hour <laughs> game in the first two hours of it. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, I probably would have enjoyed this game if one person didn't just attack me right away. And because there's so many dice in that game, it's unpredictable. Like, he could have just rolled, like, like, hot and just annihilated me. Or I could have rolled hot and annihilated him. And not that there's anything wrong with that, and it's tough because you don't want to be a sore loser, but you are so devastated in that first round that you know there's no coming back. And at that point, it like completely tanked the experience for me because I'm sitting there, I'm like, I got to crawl my way out of this hole, and but my enjoyment of that game has diminished severely. And I think that those kind of moments. And obviously, TI4 is like the longest well, game ever made. Do you want to tell them why it took 18 hours? We why? had one of the major, the biggest rules. You don't remember that? We screwed oh, up a rule. Yeah, you're right. Aaron, bless mm-hmm. his heart. What were the, the things at the top? The little like... Uh, Treaties. Like the objectives yeah. or whatever. Like every round you had a new objective you could score. Right. We thought only one player could score each objective. Each objective. And we're just like, how are we supposed to win? <laughs> we don't know. 
and you know we've talked about this before because we talked about how one rules error could completely ruin the feel of the game oh and that was it with that game it that rule error i'll never play that game again to be honest with you i've played it again since then with the right rules yeah with an experienced group it took 13 hours and we still didn't finish Ooh. yeah we made it to like round six and or round eight and we were just like Chris passed out. Yeah. <laughs> and he, we just we all just gave up. Yeah, games like that where you could play six or seven yeah. awesome games in that span. <laughs> yeah. Not worth it. So the takeaway from learning games is I'm all for it. Kane's all for it. If you guys have a game that you know is gonna be a bear, something that takes a lot of rules or Game of Thrones. Yeah, something that you know that if someone is vaguely unfamiliar or unfamiliar or at all vague on some of the rules. Play a learning round. It's worth it. The one hour you put in, the half an hour you put in to just run through it will save someone in your group four hours of misery. Also, if it's a game you love and you're bringing in new gamers and you want them to love it, do this. Yes. Because you do not want them to have a terrible experience with your favorite game. Exactly. Someone that gives your favorite game a six. You don't want that. What an angle. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It'd be a shame if I ever met this guy because I would never want to hang out with him ever again. (sighs) But, I mean, it seems so obvious, you know. Learning games seem obvious, but I'm telling you, if it's worth the effort. I Any game that is at all something I want my friends to play frequently with me, I will go through the trouble of a learning game and optimize their experience. Because why do we play games? To spend time with our friends. And to also win. And to crush people. And to build your characters exactly how you like them. All right. <laughs> uh, that's about it for us tonight. It's getting late, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, you probably will be getting a ton of content from us over the next week. Johnny and I are going to Gen Con on Wednesday. And we are going to record a review about Guards of Atlantis. And every day, what we played, what we saw, who we met, we're waiting for all of our fans to meet us at Gen Con. So I'm going to expect, you know, like the limo to pull up, hopefully. Dudley's a big hugger. I am a hugger. He loves when you grab his buns, too. Exactly. Okay. Did we not talk about the family (laughs) podcast thing? (sighs) You can find us on Instagram at OneShitWonder. You can email us at OneShitWonder at gmail.com. Uh, If you like Kane, too bad, you won't see him again. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.